We are well into the back and forth of Job and his friends debating what is happening to him, and I want to focus on chapter 13 today and the idea of integrity. Have you ever been accused of something that you haven't done? Or maybe intentions or emotions were attributed attributed to you that you didn't feel lined up with reality? It can be incredibly frustrating to be in that position, right? And it's nearly impossible to defend yourself. A defense of your actions, intentions, or emotions often just end up solidifying your guilt in the other person's opinion. I don't know why or how it started, but in high school it became a thing to annoy one's friends by asking, Are you mad? Why are you mad? To someone who you knew wasn't mad. Then they would explain that they aren't mad, but you just keep asking in different ways. Are you sure? Because you seem a little bit upset. Okay, relax. I'm just trying to figure out what the problem is. You don't have to get so uptight about it. And then they would explain that they aren't mad again, and you just keep going back and forth. And inevitably, the person who was not mad becomes uncontrollably angry because you keep asking why they're mad. And then you, the instigator, become justified in asking the question originally. It's manipulative and annoying, and kids are dumb. But you have likely been in some sort of situation like this, where you are being accused of something, or something is being intimated about you that you know is inaccurate, but no defense of yourself convinces those who began as skeptical to start out with. In so many ways, this is the situation Job has found himself in. The annoyance of this happening over petty things like who microwaved fish in a shared space or who forgot to close the refrigerator door are annoying enough. But Job finds himself defending his character after losing all 10 of his children, all of his livestock, and his home. Not to be too dramatic, but it's a miracle Job didn't murder his friends. If I had to sit through 30 chapters of Hebrew poetry accusing me of something I didn't do after suffering that type of loss, I'd definitely be murderously angry. In Job 13, Job has just heard from friend number three, Zophar. And Zophar basically says, I can't believe you are still maintaining your innocence. I wish God would show up and just tell you the facts that you keep denying. We know how God works. You are not as wise as God, so don't hold on to this self-deception, or God will show up and strike you even further. Just repent and be healed. Job is done. He's over it, and I believe he's starting to get frustrated and maybe even snarky in chapters 12 to 13. Here's a taste of what he says in chapter 13. My eyes have seen all this, my ears have heard and understood it, and this that he's referring to is God's power and wisdom displayed throughout creation. What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, but I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. You, however, smear me with lies. You are worthless physicians, all of you. If only you would be altogether silent. For you, that would be wisdom. Hear now my argument. Listen to the pleas of my lips. Will you speak wickedly on God's behalf? Will you speak deceitfully for him? Will you show him partiality? Will you argue the case for God? Would it turn out well if he examined you? Could you deceive him as you might deceive a mortal? He would surely call you to account if you secretly showed partiality. 
Would not his splendor terrify you? Would not the dread of him fall on you? Your maxims are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Keep silent and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, for no godless person would dare come before him. Listen carefully to what I say. Let my words ring in your ears. Now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. Can anyone bring charges against me? If so, I will be silent and die. Only grant me these two things, God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer, or let me speak and you reply to me. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a windblown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? For you write down bitter things against me and make me reap the sins of my youth. You fasten my feet in shackles, and you keep close watch on all my paths by putting marks on the soles of my feet. Clearly, Job is in the midst and depths of his emotions. But you can see that he says at the beginning, what you say about God, that if I were to have my day in court, he would expose all that is done, is not true of me, it's true of you, for you are the ones who are wicked and deceitful. I know the power of God, but I also know my integrity, and I'm ready to stand before God and make my case. He even says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. He's saying, yes, I want to defend myself before God. I want to tell I want before God to say to you all that I'm not suffering because I'm guilty. Even if God kills me, my hope is still in him. But what I'm saying is I don't deserve this. To some, this may sound arrogant and presumptive, and maybe that is true, I don't know. But I also think that this speaks to Job's integrity. He wasn't willing to be told by others what was true about him. He knew what was true about him. He wasn't scared to have his day before God because he knew his heart was for God and was upright. This type of security in one's standing makes me think of Jesus. Jesus was accused of blasphemy and planning an insurrection. He was trod out before Herod and Pilate, and yet he made no defense of himself. He knew his innocence and he allowed it to speak for itself. And then Peter also picks up on this theme of righteous suffering in his epistles. 1 Peter 3, 13-18 says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This tracks a lot with the book of Job. Job sits in conversation with the book's Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Proverbs says that if you act wisely, good things will happen to you. Act foolishly and you'll suffer harm. The that's the way that the world works. It's predictable. But then Ecclesiastes says that life is unpredictable and hard to comprehend, which raises the question, is God wise and just? Can he be trusted? 
And this brings us to Job, which explores that question in depth and through the narrative story of Job. And we need these books and all that they offer to allow us to understand the good life and walking in the fear of the Lord. We need to allow them the space to speak to one another. Peter clearly has learned through both his experience and his deep study of the wisdom literature. He says in verse 13, Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Left by itself, this smells like Proverbs wisdom and even Job's friends. It is a generally true statement. But Peter just watched the man most eager to do good, Jesus, die on a cross. So he continues and explains, even if we do suffer for doing what is right, because that happens from time to time, we can continue on with a clear conscience, knowing that a similar fate being made alive in the spirit awaits us. So let us take steps toward being people of integrity, men and women who can stand before accusations and say, am I perfect? Of course not. But the trajectory of my life is pointed to becoming like Jesus Christ. People of integrity through who, through all of our actions, put our faith and our trust in God that we can say, even if he slays me, I will hope in him. We do this through private practices of prayer and meditation and Bible reading, and also through relational acts of service and love, and all through the power of the Spirit.